This is Cinepunked. This episode, The Unicron Variant. If there's anything to strike fear into the hearts of parents at Christmas time, it's the dread of forgetting a choice toy on a child's Santa list. You know what I mean. Back in the early 1980s, the one thing on everyone's list was the awesome shape-shifting robot come vehicle or dinosaur or cassette player. Basically, I'm talking about the Transformers, a popular toy by Toymaker Hasbro that became an animated television series and spawned, according to one of the panel tonight, a cinematic masterpiece. Folks, we bring your discussion on the Transformers, the movie. Adventure and spectacular widescreen animation opens at theaters everywhere Friday, August 8th. Transformers! Transformers, the movie. It's a startlingly original story that begins in the year 2005. Look, it's Unicron! A monster planet destroys everything in its path, while on Earth, Optimus Prime and Megatron battle to the death. It's over, Prime. It's a story that will surprise and shock even the most die-hard Transformer fans. Starring Leonard Nimoy and Judd Nelson, with songs by Weird Al Yankovic and Stan Bush. Escape into fantasy this summer, into the incredible rock and roll adventure. Transformers, the movie. Don't miss it. It's rated PG and opens at theaters everywhere August 8th. I'm your host, Robert J. E. Simpson. Welcome back again, folks. If you've been uh, tuning in uh, recently, this is also vaguely a festive themed issue. Um, so hopefully you caught the last episode, which is all about Scrooged. And uh, as it's still sort of Christmas time, we thought we'd put this one out as well. If you listen to this in the future at some other random point in the middle of the summer, that's okay. Die Hard was released in the summer. Everyone says it's a Christmas movie. You can listen to this whenever you want. Childhood is mm-hmm. something that, that lives on forever. Um, so. Joining me tonight uh, is none other than our music maestro, uh, occasional producer, it's Ben Simpson. Hello. You sound so enthusiastic, you can't wait to get tucked into this one, I can tell. And uh, singing the praises, I mean, undeniably, we're actually doing this entire podcast tonight, um, thanks to the influence of one of our regular collaborators, Films and Faith's very own Mr. Neil Sedgwick. Hello, everybody. This is, this episode is pretty much entirely my fault. So, if you're not into this at all, I apologize. And if you are, welcome, brethren. This is, <laughs> this is for us, okay? So, I have lobbied these guys so hard for months to try and get this episode done. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. You have, but I mean, what, what listeners and, and viewers won't have got before this is that actually Neil has given us a precedence of some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. And he has argued a very successful case that this qualifies as cinepunked material. Um, even Ben, deeply cynical though he is, was forced to, to reconsider. What do, you, what do you mean deeply cynical? I mean, I, I, I say cynical, Ben. I mean, to be fair, you... you, you but let's come about this a, a different way. Um, Transformers. Now, Neil and I are of a particular age. We're, I'm slightly, we're slightly older than you, Ben. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah. We're, we're contemporaries of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels that we are probably going to come at this from a very different point of view. But if I, it, before we made you watch the film and I said Transformers to you, what did that mean to you? Well, I used to watch Transformers 
on um i can't remember was it cartoon network or was it it might have been cartoon network uh-huh or um it was either cartoon network i think it was cartoon network um back in the day whenever i was a wee young fella 1990 um i can't i don't think i watched it like religiously mm-hmm. um you know I, I didn't watch it every day but whenever it was on i watched it you know but the one i watched was maybe it was an animated thing it's like slightly 3d i remember um was it optimus prime was like a big gorilla or something like that is that, that like gorilla? The, Neil, Neil's nodding yeah. his head. I can't. Does this record you mean this? That that would be uh, Transformers Beast Wars. I think you're referring yeah. to there, man. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> that's what I was watching. Um, was did I get it right? Yes. Yeah. Was, was Optimus a gorilla? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, just if you're listening to this, folks, you can't. You will be losing out in the benefit of Neil is sitting there. He he looks like a coiled spring. He just so wants to share all his Transformers love, and he's trying to like keep a jack on it. It's brilliant to see. Yeah. Like um, I, I used to watch it and like I enjoyed it. Um, uh-huh. So watching this, like I'm a fan of anime, you know, and I've watched a lot of anime. And um, you know, like take for example, like the art style mm. um with this movie reminds me a lot of um like Fist of the North Star or you know uh, Berserker, you know that kind of art style. It's very anime e mm. way it's drawn. Um. He not as polished as like Gundam Wing or something like that. Um but um like yeah, no, I thought I thought it was pretty cool. Um okay. uh, you know, art style wise. Um, so so you so you're familiar with the brand, if not oh, this yeah. particular uh, incarnation of it? Yes, yes. And you've seen the modern movies? Yes, I've seen the modern movies. I don't know why I said that in, in a way that sounds like Will Farrell reading a script in Anchorman. <laughs> <Modern? laughs> you've seen the modern movies? <laughs> Okay, and and you liked or didn't like those? We'll get into those in a bit. I didn't mind them, but okay. it's they're not, you know, they're not great. Okay, they're not great movies. They're okay. We we will return to tra- the modern Transformers in a bit. Um, I I mean, I'm not even going to risk. Uh, saying very much at this stage um neil transformers what did this mean to you i mean as a as a as a brand what's your familiarity with it uh, like like you said so born in 1980 do the math work out what age i am uh i tra- there were there were two cartoons that i look at as formative one is one is transformers and one is he-man um <laughs> And I had an absolute plethora of both He-Man and Transformers figures the whole way along. Mm -hmm. Uh, This movie came out in 1986. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think I saw it like straight away. My memory is watching it on VHS. um, And having, I can still see the cover with like video gems written on the bottom of who were the distributor. Like, um, and... I actually had to get a second tape because I wore it out. <laughs> um, and my friends, my friends, shout, shout out to, I don't know if they'll hear this, but shout out to, uh, to Andrew and Jonathan Parks, who we watched this movie like every time we are together. And we, uh, 
if I, if I post a picture of this film on like Instagram or like I'm watching this or whatever, I will get a message. If they see it, I will get a message instantly from them. Like it's such a, like a, like a bonding um, thing between the three of us. And uh, even now as, as grown men with families and, and children and things like that, like the, that still pulls us back together. Uh-huh. Um, if somebody like just puts up a wee picture of like, some of the moments from the film um and i i just love that original cartoon series and it it does have a kind of anime look to it and the origins of the toys kind of start off in japan um mm. with these things called like micro micro men there's a the, the netflix show the toys that made us there's an episode on transformers um and if you haven't seen it go and watch it because it's it's amazing. It just charts the whole history, which I'm not going to go into now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that kind of Japanese influence is there in the background of the of the toy figures. Um, and there's a lovely loophole in, I think, in American broadcasting with cartoons where, like, let's be honest, what, what this film is, is 90 minutes of let's shift some units yeah. of toys, right? Ultra Magnus! The courageous Ultra Magnus is a born leader. We meet at last, Galvatron. And it will be the last time we meet. And Galvatron is Ultra Magnus' sworn enemy! Transformers! Galvatron transforms from laser cannon to fighting robot! And Ultra Magnus from huge car carrier to Autobot commander. Transformers! More than meets the eye! The Transformers, each sold separately from Hasbro. So I think there's there's a loophole in American legislation that within cartoons, basically, you can basically have a cartoon and then put the toys out to sell your figures, mm-hmm. you know, and it's happened with He-Man, it's happened with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all those things down the years that uh, I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, and this film, I watched this and I was like, who are these, some of these characters I had never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um and there's a big reason for that. Part, part of the reason is that Hasbro felt that the toys that they had, so every kid had an Optimus Prime, had a Megatron, mm-hmm. had a Starscream, had a Soundwave. I never had a Soundwave, and I still want one, by the way. Um, we're, we're not paying you in Transformers toys. Not, <laughs> not paying you in G1 Transformers toys, Neil. I, I mean, will, it's a nice try. And I it, will take, if anybody's out there and just has one and doesn't want it, I will take... A sound wave or a grimlock at any point, right? So you can get in contact and send it to me. Anyway, um, enough shameless, f- like selling he's, myself he's on this. Just the like podcast. really going for it tonight. I mean, so like, it's, 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 it's like it's like the equivalent of online dating. It's just like, hey, I, I'm Neil and uh, I, I want your toys. I'm Neil and I love Transformers. Um, well, I, I want to just briefly interrupt you because I, I know we're going to get into a big discussion about the toys themselves. And I mean, I. I I guess like you know like you i'm of that age i remember watching the cartoon series on tv and loving it um so it's kind of weird going back to it because i literally have not watched this stuff since the 80s i don't think i've seen it at any point since um so the stuff i've forgotten a lot i had an optimus prime um yeah. and i think that was the only transformer toy i ever had was an optimus prime that gradually disintegrated over many years and i wish i still had it i went on ebay the other night and was looking to see how much it would cost me to get it you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> I did the same. 
it's not going to be the same Optimus Prime because it's not mine anymore. But you know, it'd be nice to kind of have some of those things that just evoke that kind of memory, but still have a disconnect. Um, I can't afford it. It's fine. Someone somebody, else, somebody, wants somebody to told me. <laughs> somebody told me once that a toy, a toy stands for totem of youth. Ooh, ooh, that's good. Mm. Very good. There you go. Um, we should call this episode that. Uh, now he comes up with the title. Um, so yeah, so I mean, my, my, I, like for me, it wasn't about the toys as such because I didn't have them. I I had this moment watching Transformers there night where I remember playing and being a Transformer with my other brother, and it was the noise that they make when they transform. Just it's something I remember. And I, I, I transform. Oh, it was whenever you saw the little kid in the car driving around, you know, and they he kind of they transformed together. And I thought I suddenly remembered myself physically kind of contorting to pretend <laughs> I was a car driving around. Yeah. So it's been a really weird kind of like link back into a past that I had largely forgotten. But the toys, I mean, we just didn't we didn't really go all out for them. He-Man, we had a fair few of, but not Transformer stuff. So it's kind of weird for me to kind of I... think about it as a toy line. I have a memory of standing in Larne of all places. Shout out to Larne um, in a toy shop in Larne with my granda. Uh-huh. And he said to me, Neil, pick yourself one of those Transformers there and I'll come back to you and we'll, we'll get you it as a wee present for going out for the day. Right. Uh-huh. Great. So he came back and he said, right, which one are you going for? And I said, I can't decide. Uh, I've got it down to three. And my granda said to me, well, we've been standing here for 45 minutes. <laughs> so let's just take the three of them and get out of Lauren, will they? <laughs> so what three did you get? Uh, one, uh, one was definitely Blur from the movie. Uh-huh. Um, and then the other two, I can't remember. They were smaller ones because they, they differed in size as well. The, you know, there were smaller ones that were much cheaper the likes of uh characters like bumblebee and stuff like that were much mm. smaller in comparison to an optimus prime um and things like that so i think there was a couple of smaller ones that i went for as well so it's kind of weird in a way because i think like we're so used to in this day and age they're being merchandising for absolutely everything i mean you go into forbidden planet or whatever other uh sort of mm. nerd shop is your particular choice and no matter what your franchise is there is probably a collectible of some kind now for it in a way that I always feel that as kids, oh, oh my gosh, I'm doing it back in my day line. This is something I try not to do. <laughs> um, but back in my day, you know, we didn't have that stuff in quite the same way. But Transformers started off as a toy line that then became an animated series. There's a weird kind of relationship. No, you were you were talking about the the uh, new wave of of merch that accompanied the film. The fact that uh, I mean, I understand at one point um, Hasbro had decided that actually what they wanted was to wipe the slate clean and bring brand new toys in, which is the reason why some of the decisions are made in the film that are made. Yeah. Um, with no respect for people like you, like you, Neil, who, yeah. who were loving these characters and kind of invested in them. Yeah, so they, if you, if you haven't seen this film, by the way, firstly, what are you doing with your life? And <laughs> secondly, what happens within the first 10 minutes of this film? I couldn't believe that. Is is he right? Is so, a massacre. So here's our here's our spoiler warning now, folks. Yes, yeah, up to this point we've we've given you nothing. From this point on, there we're going to talk quite liberally about the plot. So go watch the film, then come back and listen to the rest of the pod. 
Thanks for joining us. Uh, (laughs) So within the first 10 minutes of this film, they kill off a significant, there is a massive, massive battle, Mm. which when you're seven or eight years old is just what Transformers is. That's what you do when you play with them. That's what you do, good guys versus bad guys, all the noises, and off you go. But in the cartoon... No, I can't. And I it used to be really good at it and I really can't. And I'm not going to try it because I don't want to be disrespectful to the Transformer <laughs> community. Um I <laughs> he just knows I, we'll rip it off and like use it as an ident. <laughs> the uh yeah, so 10 minutes in, there there is a massive battle, and there are several what I would refer to as high-profile characters mm-hmm. from the kind of weekly episodic cartoon that get killed off. A big, massive battle ensues. So we lose within the first 10 minutes. We lose the likes of uh, Ironhide, Prowl, um, well-established, good soldiers mm. of the Autobots. The battle rages on for a while. And then they commit what can only be described as one of the most traumatic moments of my childhood in which they kill off Optimus Prime, mm-hmm. the leader of the Autobots. One shall stand, one shall fall. Why throw away your life so recklessly? That's a question you should ask yourself, Megatron. No! I'll crush you with my bare hands! Uh, And Megatron, also leader of the Decepticons, is not killed in battle, but uh, suffers... um, Mm suffers wounds, etc., and is dispatched by some of his side a little too quickly out the window of Astro Train, which was a very new thing. Okay. Had an Astro Train. I used to go through the cartoon and go, had that one, had that <laughs> one, had that one. Um, but yeah, so those type of characters were brand new and I had never seen before. Uh-huh. And then they killed off a lot of old characters because Hasbro thought if we kill them off and they're not there, then we have new toys. The problem being is that after the movie was done and they reverted to those uh, newer characters in cartoons, mm. the cartoons started to slowly die off because people actually loved those old characters. So you yeah. lost Optimus Prime, you lost Megatron, you lose Starscream in one of the best animation sequences, I think, out there. And I will I will argue that, that point at his coronation um, oh, yeah, yeah. I love I love that sequence where they they kill that character off. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so that that was the plan basically: kill them off, get a whole load of new toys, and carry on the adventure. I mean, it's difficult enough to do that with the live action thing where you invest in something, but with an animation, it seems so pointless because like they're animated, you're not really having you don't have to lose a character because they've decided they're going to move into another role or something. You know, you could have re voice cast or something. Yeah, um, it's the, a very cynical move. By a the closest company. you get to this in animation is Disney's habit of killing off parents. But in a Disney film where they bump off the parents, mm-hmm. the parents are never the point of the story. No, um, they are never the the main focus. They are they are secondary to what's going on. But you but when you f- kill off Optimus Prime yeah. and Megatron within fifteen to twenty minutes. <laughs> You've well, taken out two significant um, blocks out of your tower, you know. I mean, Optimus Prime's death was certainly a, a shock. Um, yeah, I was like, this is Transformers. Where's Where's Optimus? There he is. What, what, then, why is wait, Optimus? What? <laughs> why is he dead? What is going on here? 
I, I, I was totally thrown by that. I mean, obviously, I have no memory of having watched this stuff, and I deliberately hadn't read the, the, the synopsis of the film again. So, like, that was just, like, I, I felt that because I had just enough nostalgia there to remember loving it and because I had one. <laughs> this is, like, it was my favourite. And, I, I mean, finally, Ultra Magnus makes sense to me. I just remember this being, and I think I always thought he was... My memory of being a child was I thought Ultra Magnus was a jazzed up version of Optimus Prime, that they were the same character. And they are two completely different characters that just happen to be truckers. Um, and I, I, I was thrown by that, that whole, that whole process. Um, Megatron though gets redeemed, I mean, in a way, because he gets transformed into Galvatron. I mean, so like you basically are saying the bad guys are winning from the start. This is quite bleak. Ben, you're going to say something. Um, what was the the other prime? You know, whenever he gets handed the matrix, that's Ultra Magnus. The one at the very end, or the one? No, the one halfway through that gets destroyed as well, and then put back together. That's, again, that's Ultra Magnus. Title. That's the, that's the one I thought was the same character, but isn't. Right. Well, are you talking about the uh, the one at the uh, end then? The purple one, the purple and. What's he called? Because he turn, turn, oh, the one who he, ends up leading. Yeah, the one that opens the the matrix. Neil, who is it opens the matrix in the end? At, uh, Hot Rod, he becomes Rodimus Prime ah. at that point when he opens it and destroys Unicron again. Spoilers. Well, we need to talk about Unicron as well. Um, well, we should. I mean, let's let's talk. I mean, we've named this episode after him. Um, <laughs> we're dating this completely to like the moment we're recording it <laughs> if this is our legacy if we all die of covid it's it's you know the unicron variant is our is our our tombstone um too soon <laughs> maybe okay neil this is your choice so you want to lead on on unicron so unicron is a massive planet that basically seems to float around the galaxy and destroy other planets which is how the film opens mm. um and again one of those things that um yeah it, brand new out of nowhere we mm. just accept there's a giant floating planet that eats things um and seems to want to destroy the matrix the thing which the leader of the autobots carries because mm. he knows that it can just it's the only thing in the universe that can destroy him it's not quite Avoid... Death Star-ish to me. Yeah, it's got Death Star vibes. Um, I really love some of the animation around Unicron when... Uh, I was going to say he, but I suppose we can't really gender a robot, can we? But it's Orson no, Welles as the voice. I so... think we can because there is one robot within the Autobots that's very definitely a female. Oh, yes. I did know um, as well, uh, Autobots and all that started off as small little children looking things as well. You know, at the very start of the movie. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's children. A, a wee funny planet somewhere. Yeah. That um, Unicron attacks and eats everybody out of. Yeah. Um, but Unicron voiced in this, in his last ever, Robert, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, his last ever performance. Orson Welles. I am Unicron. Show yourself. I 
have summoned you here for a purpose? Nobody summons Megatron. Then it pleases me to be the first. Certainly vocally, certainly like, I mean, off screen, obviously, because it's a vocal performance, but um, Orson Welles, who at this stage, as uh, the kind of Transformer people have said, was weighing in at over 400 pounds mm. and demanded to be in the room on his own um, when doing the voices wouldn't do the kind of, you know, when you see like those Pixar rooms and it's everybody having a wee great time. Mm-hmm. No, Orson didn't want any of that smoke. Orson just wanted to be on his own and just wanted uh, to, <laughs> to be completely alone while recording and apparently walked in on the first day and said, I hear I'm playing a whole planet. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, yes, you are, sir. Um, That, that Unicron, some of the animation around Unicron is, I think, absolutely incredible work. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, Ben, in that kind of Japanese style, particularly when the planet transforms into kind of a robot form. Um, and moves like some of that some of that animation is just it's, it's just great uh, yeah. yeah it's class it's and class. stands up really well considering yeah. it was 80s like um I, I gotta pick up on orson wells because uh regulars of the show will know that he's one of our our kind of canon of people we insist that you should watch whether you like it or not um per ben says to me when he would look at the cast he's like orson wells hi so every movie we do, he's got something to do with it. Damn it. <laughs> Which That's I love. Why I tried to shoehorn this in. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. I mean, so he recorded his dialogue uh, for this on Monday on the 5th of November, uh, for the 5th of October, 1985. He died five days later on the 10th of October, 1985. Hmm. Um, some of the stuff there, though, sounds a little bit apocryphal and, and not entirely true. I don't think he was as heavy as they suggest. Uh, on the day he died, a couple of hours before Hanny appeared on live TV on the Merv Griffith show uh, in the United States. Uh, which in fact we were watching this morning um yeah. i had it on and ben saw a bit of that as well and orson is definitely a big man but he had lost weight at that point as well um okay. he's not as as solid as he was i know there's been suggestions that they had to heavily uh, enhance his voice um i think it wasn't you know it wasn't quite the booming orson wells of the 30s 40s and 50s but it was yeah. you know still unmistakably him um but he wasn't quite that fat I think he was four hundred pounds. I think he was, he was probably a good bit less than that, but he was still not. not yeah, it's probably about three fifty, you know. Something like <laughs> but you know, don't, I, don't believe everything you read in the internet, kids. <laughs> That's where I find that information. Absolutely not. Um, but, but also, I'm, I'm an Orson Welles fan. I'm an admirer of the man and his talent. So I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm I'm betraying my own bias too. Although it is rather apt that he gets to play a planet, and, and instantly, you know, one thinks about War of the Worlds, where you know that that iconic show that basically launched his career. Um, in, in terms of the popular consciousness where, you know, he, he's playing a story about the world's battling him for aliens and then he gets to end it by playing one, an entire alien planet that's destroying everything. So there's a kind of nice book ending there. Synergy. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not the only one of, 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 of not the, he's not the only cast member of Stature either. I mean, the, the voice cast for this is kind of interesting. Um. I mean, you've got Leonard Nimoy as well as, as the revitalized Megatron as Galvatron. Yeah. Which is an odd choice. I mean, Mr. Spock is a bad guy. It's an unusual one. <laughs> I will rip open Ultra Magnus and every other Autobot until the Matrix has been destroyed. Yeah, he's he's in there. And I, I don't know. It, to me, it doesn't really 
I can't equate the name with the actual voice that I hear, if that makes sense. Really? Um, yeah, I can't. It doesn't, it just doesn't compute through for me. Oh. Um, unlike when I popped it on the other night um, for rewatch and well, as part of my, you know, twice or maybe three, maybe four times a year rewatch. It says um, a year, maybe, it means a week. Maybe, maybe monthly. <laughs> um, the, the thing that I noticed in the titles was that Eric Idle was the first name to pop up. Mm. Um on there and he is um on the planet of junk as Rekgar, the leader of the junkions, I want to say. I hope I got that right. Um and I can't yeah. understand the word he says. <laughs> he <laughs> Yeah, so they yeah, they're weird characters. They're basically whatever like they a, whatever they did, like I I just like what is he trying to say? I don't know. Like I, I understand English people. Um, uh-huh. I've watched Monty Python and all that, and I've played um, Discworld that has Eric Idle as you know vo- voicing Rincewin, but him doing that, I could not understand the damn thing. Steady as she goes, Bob. Snoopy visitors get mad in the eye by and by. Film at eleven. I thought that it was quite reminiscent of Professor Stanley Unwin, who is probably a name that means nothing to either of you two gentlemen. Uh, he was a master of gobbledygook, um, so he had he basically sort of had reworked language in a way that, that it was sort of slightly nonsensical. Now, he had a great problem, because when Stan looked up in the heavenly boat as evening approached, he saw this half moon and dangly there and thought, oh dear. And I have a feeling that's what that was based on, you know. Um, it may well be. It- I'm now Googling this whilst we're typing to see if the- anyone has ever mentioned this before. What they're trying to do is to make he doesn't talk sense but he gets as close as he can by kind of reenacting tv ad type language mm-hmm. and it it works and it doesn't work and i think maybe just because i've watched it so many times now i just go oh eric idle he's brilliant which which is what they do with bumblebee in the film version yes because yes. he yes when he do that arrives, with the radio because he wrecks his yeah voice. Rex the vocals. Was that a deliberate homage? I don't know. It might be. I mean, master of all things Transformers. It might be. It might be a wee nod and a wee wink. Um, I I'm not quite sure, but I haven't read that or heard that. Do they not offer to fix his voice in that, and he turns it down in the film? Well, yeah. Sorry, in the modern one. Later, later on, modern version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I remember that. They were like, you know, we can fix you, and he was like, nah. I'm okay talking like this. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Eric stuff is definitely odd. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I definitely struggle with it. I think I also struggle with the sound mix at times in the film. Um, the music's way, 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 way too loud, I think, in some parts. Right? Especially <laughs> when there's some, you know, dialogue going on. Mm. You've got this, like, 80s power metal <laughs> stuff yeah. blaring over the top of, of the whole movie. It, I mean, I, I find, uh, sorry, Neil, I'm going to blaspheme for a second. I, I find the music quite jars from my experience of the film. I, it just doesn't sit comfortably. And then when it gets into Weird Al, uh, you know, it's just like, <laughs> I, I, there's no need for this. This doesn't make any sense. They're not daring to be stupid. They're trying to help and be productive. This isn't stupid. This is intelligent. Yeah, it's it's not the most intelligent of, of choices, maybe musically, but things like uh, The Touch and Dare, 
that are on there by Stan Bush uh, is the guy. And those have become like really iconic bits of, of music for f- fans of the movie and, and Transformers fans in general down the years. Like that, that genuinely like that, um, that moment at the, just we're bouncing all around the place, but the moment at which Optimus Prime arrives on Earth uh-huh. um, to save the day begins to transform, and that music for the touch starts. I honestly, I'm like, "Ooh, here we go! You're gonna get your ass kicked, Decepticons!" Right? It's, <laughs> it's like, it's so great. Megatron must be stopped, no matter the cost. <laughs> You got the touch. You got the power. And he's like leaping up into the air and going over the top and shooting them all down and doing all this. And it's like, I love, I love it. I love that that moment and that sequence and that that whole battle. There's there's so many great moments and sequences back in that as well. But yeah, I don't want to bounce all over the room. This is what happens in City Punk. You both <laughs> here, there, and everywhere. Because thought processes don't work in a strictly linear sense. It's like, you know, you'll, you'll think of something that evokes a memory of something else. And it's, I think if you were to just go down a straight linear path in a conversation sometimes, that then then what you get is, is something that's that's far too obvious and rudimentary, but it's actually those sidetracks that sometimes bring out the gold. I mean, I, like there's gold on this show, there sometimes is. Uh, ben, <laughs> I mean, the music... Like, you actually said to me you quite like some of the music for this. Yeah, some of it. Yeah, some of it was like it's like terribly um, cheesy. Um, it's like a fine, fine uh, Stilton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you either like it or you hate it. A ripe Stilton. There we go. Yeah. Um, I I love I love metal and um, I love power metal. So like the intro, like I never I'd never heard that. Uh, like that intro track before and i was i was loving it um, i was like this is class like you know because like I, you know i play guitar and drums and things like that. i write music and i was like yeah this is cool i'm digging it and then some of the music is just like that's a bit weird you know even the lyrical content of what's going on doesn't really match up sometimes but um mm. you know overall i thought the music was was really cool um it was very different from what i was expecting definitely up to age i mean oh yeah it's you, you know you can tell it's it's from a period of time and um you know in our history um of, of music you know it does have that 80s vibe mm. um which isn't a bad thing you know there was some cool cool music written in the 80s there was yeah um yeah neil uh I mean, I'm aware that we have kind of like bounced a little bit. Um, there was another actor, just we were talking about kind of the, the voice artist for this. There was somebody else that you'd mentioned to me. Yeah. Can I can I just say something about the music? Because I've just seen a note, right? <laughs> He's got a note. <laughs> I've got notes. He's like, this is the stuff that I play on my playlist in the car every day. And if you blaspheme about any of these songs, I will no, rip your head off. <laughs> but here we, here we go. So The Touch by Stambush, which is that moment in the, the Optimus Prime arriving on Earth thing with like starts with the organ and all, right? Mm-hmm. Apparently, now this is from the director's commentary on the uh on my Blu-ray. 
of the 30th anniversary right. edition. Uh, apparently that was originally written for the Stallone movie, Cobra. Right. What? And didn't get used or didn't make the cut or whatever. So that, that song was hanging around for Cobra, mm-hmm. the, Stallone, the Stallone picture. And uh, then wangled its way into Transformers movie. I think Ben's right. I think there are. <laughs> I think there are definitely some kind of um, the music doesn't quite fit but weirdly and again and i think this is one of the things about this because i have watched it so often and re-watched it over the years hmm. it equally now would be weird to not have it, it wasn't there yeah if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah. like those weirdly slightly out of place tunes but like if you put that tune on now i could see the point in the film where that well, comes about, in. I mean, a lot of your experience of the film obviously must be tied in with a deep sense of nostalgia and where it reminds you of a certain point. You've watched this film a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ruining way, more, mission? way more than a 41-year-old man should. <laughs> like genuinely, like it's really, it's really quite like some people might find this quite endearing. Other people will find it incredibly sad. But what does yeah. Mrs. Sedgwick say? Does she Oh, she just is like, what are you doing? why is this on again and sometimes sometimes like you're saying nostalgia is a is a very powerful thing and sometimes when things all feel like a bit too much and it's just all a bit been too stressful and so if i have the house to myself that will be my go-to dvd because it will transport me away from mm-hmm. being a 41 year old man <laughs> to being a, a seven or eight year old little boy just sitting there in front of the TV with his badly worn down VHS copy, just absolutely loving the bones of this film. I have, I have to ask Neil, do you bring out your toys and play with them while you're watching? Do you know, I don't have any of my original Transformer toys that I had as a child. Um, there was, and it's okay, I can talk about this now without getting too emotional, but there was a cull done within our house uh, at a time in which I was not there Ooh. and they were disposed of and uh, I was very very upset uh, with with my parents for considerable amount of time and I could get angry again now if we leave if we let this hang too long but um, so I don't have any, I don't have any of my kind of original toys. So even now, what they've done now, because the film is, the film just did 35 years yeah. last year. Yeah. And they have uh, brought out like Transformers 86. You know, you can go into Smiths and you'll find certain uh, other toy shops are available, but you can go into Smiths and you'll see Transformer toys now that have that, the, the logo of the movie on them and will be set like that. Um, mm. And I have been very, very tempted on multiple occasions to just kind of go, I just pick myself one up there, but I just find myself standing there staring at them for 45 minutes and my grandma isn't there to come and just buy them buy all, all for me. So. <laughs> are, 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 I mean, are the senior Sedgwick still with us, Neil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mum and dad Sedgwick, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, your son is still traumatized. You give him a great favor if you go into Smiths and buy him some Transformers toys to apologize for your heinous act of disposal. Yeah. Don't don't buy me 
Unicroning his toys, basically. If anybody wants to send me toys, or alternatively, I'll set up a GoFundMe just for the therapy. Do you know? <laughs> we'll do it that way. I mean, we'll have to watch as Neil gets every one of these Transformers back. It's like... <laughs> oh, um, on Instagram. <laughs> anyway, well, well, I mean, we're talking about this linking in with trauma, um, which, you know, for you, the, the, the as much as there's a joy, there's also this childhood trauma of, of having a scene. Sorry, a post-childhood trauma of your toys having been disposed of against you all. And it's one of those things I think most of us have gone through at some point where um, the stuff that meant a lot to us in our youth has, has gradually disappeared has been broken, has been left behind as we've gone on to pastures new, always intending to come back and lift it up again and somebody else has made the decision for us. Um, probably every one of us is something like that. Ben, do you have a, a toy that you... No, Ben actually just chucks out toys. He's, there's no connection. I have no connection whatsoever. I mean, I still feel like... I, I had... Um, we just went to see Spider the new Spider-Man today. Mm-hmm. And one of the toys that i love most and i asked for christmas i have a, I have a photograph of me in the christmas when i got it was a bendy spider-man it was this foam covered like 12 inch tall spider-man with suckers on his arms and legs i i so desperately wanted now at some point his head was removed from his body i don't know how or why but that spider-man was around for years and now it's not and i kind of like i, I, I don't feel massively something but there's something about that that epitomizes an area of my childhood and i feel quite sad that that's not there I feel like sad I have that... stuff I, I collect. Okay. Bought from childhood that you collect? Um, or that makes up part of your collection? Because we're talking about a brand that's about that started off as toys, so I think this is an important part. Uh, probably. It's probably in the roof space. Um, you know, like I have like the... What do you call them? They were like... Uh, what, do you, what do you call that? Um... They're like Polly Pockets, only it wasn't Polly Pockets. It was like another thing. Micro machines? No, Max something. Um, But um, I have have some of those. Um, I think I do have some Transformer stuff. Um, I mean, I know you give all your your Lego and mine to your son. Yes. Um, He'd already make that. I begrudge him, like, come on. (laughs) <laughs> he's got some so if, if i put this out as a, as a viewable podcast people will get the benefit of seeing whatever ben is about to whip out from underneath the, the monitor hopefully it's, uh, it's 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 you friendly maybe pg's okay i got the um, you know some star wars stuff star wars lego okay so um, you do so you do still have this link to childhood in there Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's just very selective. Obviously, you know, I've got pop vinyls, and I like to get collectors' editions of video games that come with stuff. Stuff like Final Fantasy VII. I have, um, like I played that game. Like that was my childhood friend. Uh-huh. Like probably like Transformers was for, uh, Neil. Um, you know that movie. Um. Yeah, uh, they they remastered it there, uh, remade it. Uh, sorry, it was a remake, not a remaster. And I got the collector's edition, and it comes with like a big mod thing, which mm-hmm. is still in the box. I haven't taken it out, you know. So I, I collect stuff like that. What, what I mean, what about that though? I mean, in terms of like, is it this is a tangent, Neil? I am so sorry. <laughs> 
it's not all about transformers but i mean there is something there about that where we kind of we're still like paying homage to our childhood there's still that element of nostalgia but then we have these things in boxes and we don't take them out and it's the very opposite of what we did as children you know you were a toy as a kid you brought out and you played with it there behind me um i have another game that i play um dark souls Mm. like i have um solaire from dark souls and i have a amiibo um for it and then i have an amiibo for cloud which was the main character from final fantasy 7 but i have never taken them out of the box they're still in the box and they will never be taken out of the box because that's how i want to keep it (laughs) what would you do neil if someone gave you some new transformers would you take it out of the box or would you just leave it in there you know i i think it'd have to be out of the box really part of well yeah because part of the part of the transformer thing now part of the transformer thing always was the actual transformation yeah so you know those videos where you you see like kids there's that thing on netflix where like the speed cubers who can Uh do a rubik's cube in like seconds Yeah. yeah Right, yeah, that was me with Transformers. Like back in the day, you could have threw a transformer across the room to me, and I could have had it changed within minutes or within seconds. Like it's, you know, I think part of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about the keeping things in a box thing. It's, um, yeah, it, it kind of, it kind of time capsules, um certain things and like i was saying before you know somebody said to me toys are totems of of our youth mm-hmm. um, and you yeah maybe yeah like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take them out of the box and sit on the living room floor and reenact battles i don't think i'm gonna go to that level <laughs> or at least that's what i'm saying publicly <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be getting a phone call when i robert you want to come around <laughs> but i yeah i, I think in terms of displaying stuff, mm. I think I would, you know, I think I probably would take them out of the box. Yeah, I think I would now. I think you know, I you know, when you, you hear those stories of people who go into their parents' room space again, th- podcast or therapy, I'll let the listener decide. Mm. And they they go <laughs> they go into their parents' room space and all their like original Star Wars things are still sitting there. Like uh-huh. I I do get quite jealous of that. Yeah. Um. Because my my transformers and my he man is that the plural? No, he man figures, masters of the universe. All those they were all um kind of done away with. Um, and as far as I know, I was I didn't get asked again. Podcaster therapy. Let the listener decide. I <laughs> I mean I, I've never met Mister Mister Sedgwick, but you know I've I've conjured up an impression <clears throat> of him tonight. <laughs> well, like I have a. a a Death Star and a Millennium Falcon, which I haven't seen. Yeah, in years. In years, not since um, Thornhill. Mm. Yeah, um, we, we, we moved 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah, when we moved to Ards. Mm. Um, back so long ago. I haven't come across them at all. Yeah. yeah, so I think they're either or left at the old house. Yeah. Or they're in the roof space way 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 in the back but like i know for a fact that like those things were like in perfect condition but there's obviously something and i did more... play with them a lot but there's, there's something more going on there because like when you think about these things this is this is a sorry this is a podcast in itself um 
there is something about those though that you're, you're still thinking about them or yeah yeah later. No, I, think about, I think about them all the time i'm like where, where did they go and i have you know i was a big power rangers fan mm-hmm. um back in the day you know when i had like i had a full megazord um and they all you know it was all the different different ones and mm-hmm. you stuck them all together and it made up the big giant megazord but then you could take it down and it would be like, you know, the T-Rex and, mm. and the Triceratops and all that stuff. I haven't seen it. I don't know where it is. And I think that'd be something really cool to show Eli. You know, yeah. um, because he also has a Megazord. Okay. Um, but it's very different from what mine was. So, you know, I would I would love to get my hands on those and go because he he loves Star Wars and Lego and all the stuff you know I used to love whenever I was a kid. So See, even even if I go and buy all those Transformers that are in the Smiths currently, they're not the Transformers that I I played with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I I was playing with the original G1 Transformers. And I suppose in some ways, like I could jump on eBay and buy whatever ones of those I wanted. Um but I think that's kind of why I watch the movie so much mm. because I think what that, what this film does for me is it takes me back because I don't, I don't have the access to those things and I can't, I can't walk into a shop and buy a hot rod from when I was seven or eight years old, got one yeah. for Christmas and it was like to this day, apologies to my children, one of the best Christmas days i've ever had right <laughs> and i i can't i can't go back and get my hot rod i could go and buy one on ebay but it's not uh, mine it's like that thing you know when the what's that boat that they keep restoring somewhere in a museum and they're the like Mar- this the is Mar- the mary rose the- yeah this is the original but that it's not the original because they keep you yeah, know there's an argument to be made that it's not the original because they keep repairing the bits that decay over the years so it's not actually yeah. It's so not actually. You, uh, yeah, it's that, that old nutshell. Like, if you replace every single piece of, of of a ship, is it the same ship? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a complex one. I mean, there's it, it, it is about that emotional connection we have. I mean, I have gone back and bought stuff that I had when I was a kid and don't have anymore, or stuff that I wanted when I was a kid and couldn't get. Um. And I kind of don't know why sometimes. Like I, I was in, um, I was in one of the stores in Belfast recently, and they had like repros of the real Ghostbusters toys, and I never got the complete. I never got a complete set for myself. Me and my my brother Johnny um, sort of got like two figures a piece from the four, from each the wave. And you're like, well, he's got two. I've got two. So together we have a full. Oh, it's a good way to play together. But you never had your own complete thing. And part of me was quite tempted to go and spend like the, the 20 quid or whatever it was on getting one of these figures that I don't have, that I never had. But I know that it's A, it's not it's not an original 1980s Ghostbusters toy. It's not my original 1980s Ghostbusters toy. And it's 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 sort of there is a disconnect. But there's still an interest in it. There's still it still symbolizes something, and even just seeing it in its box with like the cardboard and the plastic in place, like sets off some sort of dark memory from way back. Yeah, I I follow, um, you're probably getting a vibe off me, listener, but I follow a fair few Transformers accounts on Instagram. And uh, 
they will post figures in boxes and and they will post the old comics that were out and things like that. And I will see something and it will do it will do that exact thing where it, it just triggers a memory of I had that. Uh-huh. I, I, I held that in my hand. Like not that one, but I held that in my hands. I read that. I I love that story. I love that artwork. I loved the the box with the the weird like drawn on the back of like these robots don't actually look like even the ones in the cartoon. Like they're kind of, you know, what the toy factory drew up, but mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. Still, still identifiable. And I'm like, oh, I love all that, you know. Um, I nearly bought myself a pair of shoes recently with um, Transformer artwork on them tied in with the movie. Uh-huh. All that swirly, whirly stuff that happens at the start of the intro. Um, and what stuff do you know? Just kind of went. I'm 41 and I really like should probably buy something more sensible <laughs> or look yeah. after my own children, you know, <laughs> hey, children's children. Mm-hmm. I, but I mean, it's something like that. If you're getting something that's, oh my gosh, this is therapy now. Um, <laughs> if, you're, if you're buying something like that though, and it's, it's shoes, would you not wear the shoes or would you keep them on a shelf in a box? I mean, no, I'd probably wear them. So what's, the, what's hey, Robert, Robert the, has Scooby-Doo. Yeah, which I wear, and he wears them. Yeah, I probably wear them. And the really stupid thing is, no, all the decoration is on the side, and it would only be me that knows. Yeah, because the the top of them are like black, you know, black kind of conversey type looking things. Um, again, if anybody wants to send me a pair, um, (laughs) hey, you never know. Is that what these influencer types do? You never know. Um, apparently, I've never thought of us as influencers. (laughs) No, who knows? Maybe maybe Hasbro are out there listening right now and going, "This guy." I know. Like, I mean, if, if Hasbro starts, this could stuff, this I'll could very quickly yeah. this could very quickly turn into a make a wish scenario where I get a call from Hasbro going, "Do you want to come to the factory?" I <laughs> the yeah I nobody would know only me that that artwork was on there, but I still went, "No, come on, be it be an adult. You're not that little child anymore." But that little kid is still in there. I think. I mean, I guess I just don't know why we we block out that part of ourselves sometimes, you know, I mean, particularly now where we're in a, a generation that seems to be quite okay with us nerding out over stuff from childhood, where nostalgia is still um, a really, not a really big thing, but a really socially acceptable thing, you know. Um, well, I think nostalgia really does, like, you know, when you're feeling stressed and when when life's sort of getting you down maybe i don't know um, mm. to think back or do something that reminds you of a better time or an easier time maybe would probably be the right way mm. nostalgia can be a really powerful thing you know it fills you with comfort and um takes away the stress a little bit well that's that's what i find anyway um you know so yeah yeah like i'm all for nostalgia I mean, it's it's something that obviously, depending on when people actually watch or listen to this, I mean, we've obviously gone through a really weird couple of years where people have retreated back into that. And I think those kind of like little signs of, of affection for something that meant something to you make a lot of sense. They're kind of quite important to indulge in every now and then. Um, and then, you know, just a big nerd. Fair enough. I know that with your, your job, maybe it wouldn't be appropriate to be walking around in a pair of shoes like that. <laughs> Although you know, some joy needed that place sometimes. <laughs> it, do, it doesn't really go. It doesn't really go with the kind of shirt and tie bit of me um, that exists out there in the real yeah, world. That's um, a weird deal. 
Yeah, that's it. The shirt and tie guy, honestly, is is not is not the guy. It's like a fake version of me. It's like a flipping variant. I don't know. Anyway, that's another conversation well, for another well, time. I, mean, I wanted to get back onto the, the sort of element before we get massively sidetracked. Um, much I'm enjoying this. I want to touch on the trauma that you mentioned because obviously there's the trauma of you losing your ch- your childhood toys, um, but also you'd mentioned before we even started doing this that this film is, is I mean, and rightly so that this film is is filled with trauma. I think one of the things for me, even now, I still think they're not going to kill Optimus Prime, <laughs> you know, and I think um, that. That was such a jarring thing. I think that's the first kind of movie moment where, well, maybe, maybe one of the first movie moments where I was really emotional. Um, only probably jointly with um, when I thought Baloo the Bear was dead in the Jungle Book. Um, I think that that and Optimus Prime Dan were the two kind of most emotional moments for me in like childhood cinema watching, you know? Mm -hmm. Prime, you can't die. Do not grieve. Soon I shall be one with the Matrix. People crying at ET and stuff like that. I'm like, nah, man, no, no, no. But they, like, I thought, you know, I thought one of my favorite characters had... Well, I didn't think. One of my favorite characters was killed. And in the case of the wonderful Blue the Bear, the greatest character Disney ever drew, um, they, I thought I thought one of my favorite characters was gone. Oh. And I had only just encountered this wonderful bear. Anyway, again, that's it. what are we doing? Are we doing therapy? Are we doing philosophy? What are we doing here? I'm, you, you, <laughs> you've listened to us for a long time. You've done our events. You know this is what happens. I'm not, I'm not using this as a counseling session. <laughs> this might be my influence. I am sorry. It just happens. <laughs> but, but, those, that, but those but... are the questions that I think are prompted by the stuff that we watch and stuff that we do, because ultimately our cinematic experience, our hmm. watching experience, our entertainment value isn't always about just disposing uh, of our time in some piece of mindless entertainment. There's a reason that things connect with us. There's a reason that we go back to the same things over and over again. The things that we choose to watch, um, especially the things that we choose to watch more than once we do so for a reason it's not just because it's on most of the time because if it's on and you don't like it you'll turn it over but if something speaks to you if it kind of like reaches out and it grabs you if it makes you feel i mean optimus prime's death in that is shocking i mean that much death in that that, the genocide of the entire like planet i i don't think until that point i had ever seen a transformer die in all the episodes that I had watched, uh, you know, you know, that I don't thing, think I've ever even seen a, a Decepticon die. Yeah, in in mm. in the Transformer stuff that I'd seen before yeah. watching this movie, and then to see everybody dying from both sides was like, what is going on? Yeah. This is crazy. It it might be now. This here we go with sweeping big statements, but it might it might be the first time that I've ever seen. Uh, I think I think sometimes the cartoon was very kind of like oh we don't like each other and we're at war. Uh, but I I think that that actually um, that movie 
is actually the first time it is a kid you go, well, flip, they really are. Yeah. <laughs> they actually yeah. are, because there's actual death happening here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not just that. You know that thing that the A-team did where it was like they would shoot at the people chasing them, the military police, but like all the shots, you know, that studio thing of like they turned the thing and all the shots went up the side of the vans and stuff, and then they would miraculously flip over. Like it was kind of cartoonish. Like the, the Transformer stuff, yeah, they had guns, they were shooting at each other and all this type of stuff. But I, nobody, I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't think anybody had ever died before. And to see that happen in that movie and to see it happen to big characters, mm. um, like I said before, even the Starscream death is, is a great um, sequence of animation. But also that was that was a character that had always been there. Mm. Like, it was like, if I think of those characters, um, all, all those kind of original characters, they kill off very early. Um, the likes of Ironhide, Prowl, Optimus Prime, uh, those kind of stalwart people who were just always there and weren't even big characters in some ways but we're just always around in the mm-hmm. cartoon mm-hmm. and then they just go now nah, we're done with that and that that's kind of where the the trauma comes from and yes it comes from a place of oh we're going to make we're going to make a whole load of money off a whole load of new toys mm. but it really did and i think i think any kind of transformers fan would tell you that it really did have a have an impact when they did that and well, like I just seen the watch the movie for the first time and I was like, <laughs> what have they done? But that that's why they can't that's why after, like I said before, the cartoon kind of dropped off. Because they literally took a whole load of people and just went, whoop. Narratively, you, you you basically have completely destabilized anyone's security within that that franchise. I mean, because you've done it across the board, because you've done it to everyone who's good, everyone who's bad. But the only people who managed to come out of it are the parent, you know, the, are the human beings, and even they look really dicey for a second. Mm. Um, you know, like I spent most of the time thinking the kid's dad is dead, and yeah, they yeah, just haven't too. got around to telling them yet. Yeah, um, and I kind of wish he had been dead. It would have been a, a more effective moment than an oh great reunion instead of creating the orphan but what you end up doing is you basically mean that none of the characters are worth investing in because at any point they're going to be taken away from you and obviously from a toy manufacturing point of view that's quite good because it means you create toys that are disposable but also then you create toys that are disposable which means that you can't emotionally invest in your playtime because once they're dead they don't get back up miraculously and and kind of carry on, although Magnus uh, Ultra Magnus does. Yeah. Um, but you you basically create this this thing where once they've they've expended their life, that's it. You just chuck them away. And, and, and to kill to have that moment where Ultra Magnus dies as well seems quite because there hasn't really been enough time to build up any real mm. connection to that character. Um, before he gets blown to bits at one point, and it's. It doesn't have, for me, it doesn't have the impact that the Optimus Prime death has. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree there. Yeah. Although by that point, I just assumed everyone's dying. I mean, I actually expect everyone to be dead by the end of the film. <laughs> it's like, well, you've killed everybody else. Uh, I mean, you know, it's just another one. This is just, left. It's just like, See, know. whenever um, your man picked up Hot Rod, Mm-hmm. up the thing at the start and then whenever optimus was dying 
and he said the thing about the young fella will come along and open the matrix. Yeah. Yeah. And I whenever he's seen the light and then he gives it to I can't remember the names. Um and he sticks it in his chest. Like I was like, is he gonna be the one that opens it? Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of thought like it was a bit like the foreshadowing at the start kind of gave away the plot a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a really, really obvious tale. Yeah. Um yeah. One one of my things is with that. As a kid, I don't remember kind of going, ooh. But now I'm like, did everybody else in the room not see that? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know it's like like something happens and a big massive ball of light appears in the room around a particular character? Nobody went, what happened there? Yeah. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. You know, none of that. Um, yeah, a really kind of yeah, they showed their hand really, really quite early. early on. Yeah. Really early on. Can, can we talk briefly about the um, the modern incarnation of Transformers as well? Because I feel that for, for people who are kind of watching and listening to this, um, they maybe have never encountered 80s Transformers, and it may be that they only know this from Michael Bay films. Um, I, I feel that we have to address that in some way, shape, or form. Um, I, I'm going to hold my hands up and say I remember seeing the second one, I think, at a press show, and I think Manil there. Um, but I remember very little other than gratuitous shots of Megan Fox, which I have very mixed feelings about. Um, and then I watched the first one for the first time the other night in, in prep for this because I thought I need to see how they told that story because I think one of the hardest things I find watching the Transformers, the movie, why you have two definitive articles and I don't know, um, after like 30 odd years was that I didn't remember any of it and I couldn't remember the setup so it all seemed a bit too much too quickly and I didn't know what was going on um whereas new transformers at least give you a bit of a backstory when they throw you into a film um which is okay but I mean either of you have have watched these in any way shape or form any feelings about them what what's, I think what's I've seen negative? them all all the Michael Michael Bay things the new transformers movies uh-huh. but I, to be honest, I can remember vague little things, uh, but I don't think it's had like a lasting impression. Like, um, it it's very different from, say, the the Transformers that I watched whenever I was younger. Like even the mm-hmm. you know, the Beast Wars thing that you were telling, uh, you you were saying it was called, um, or you know previous i think i do remember seeing previous cartoons because um i think it might have been on like the time of like uh what did you, captain planet and all that stuff um with the three <laughs> rings um you know so yeah the, the transformers now it's very different it's very hollywood hmm you know, big and flashy and, you know, special effects and all that. But right now thinking, I can't remember the story other than like a fro- somebody waking up from a frozen thing, which I think was Megatron. Mm-hmm. Um, and Optimus Prime and them trying to find all the Autobots. Yeah. Um, and that's all I can remember. 
Okay. That's yeah, so not really had a lasting impression on me. Neil, I, I feel as, as the um, self-declared dedicated fan within the panel tonight, uh, you may have more feelings on this. I, I have feelings about these. Um, when they were first announced, I was quite excited. Uh-huh. I think the phrase, as, as the series progressed, is diminishing returns. Um, because the first one is kind of okay. Mm-hmm. And like Ben saying, I don't really remember anything significant story-wise about it. Um, all I remember is Shia LaBeouf, I think, having fun initially, and then by the third one going, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the Megan Fox stuff, particularly in that second movie, is very leery and very horrible mm. um, and is not anything really that that I associate with any memory of Transformers. Like it's more then, about the humans than the yeah than the actual Transformers. Yeah. Which is what it should be about. Then I get into little things like they don't look like the Transformers. Transformers. <laughs> Optimus Prime sort of does and still has the same voice. Um, yeah. the, the the guy Peter Cullen. Yeah. Um comes back the, to do him, yeah. Comes back to do it. And that's that's kind of lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, right in the fields but in terms of the look and I, I kind of understand that you can't um, kind of CGI replicate the same way you can animate I, like I do I do get that uh-huh. but they just didn't feel like the same characters in many ways um, and I really got to the point where I don't even think I saw the last one I think was called The Last Night. Right. I don't think um, I've seen that one. And I don't think I even bothered to watch it. I did watch the the kind of spin-off spin-off add-on title Bumblebee that mm. was done. Um and it was quite nice and was quite um nostalgic and Bumblebee comes to earth and is a is the volkswagen beetle that he is in the cartoon initially okay. he's not the big souped up dodge racer yeah, thing or whatever he comes um so he starts off as as the kind of and it, it has a wee bit of again childhood nostalgia because he is a wee beetle and he is kind of in control of himself it kind of made me think of the herbie movies a little bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, things, yeah. things like that um but there are various characters who appear and they look like they kind of looked like in the cartoon. Not all of them, but some mm. of them. Um, and that kind of just made me feel a bit more comfortable. Like, in some ways, people who cared about the cartoon more uh-huh. made that Bumblebee film. And I feel like Michael Bay went, well, we'll just have this, and Megatron can be a plane. <laughs> you know, like... I. And I, I understand that, you know, in, in cartoons and like the Beast Wars thing, like they are animals and it's different and it's not the same as well. Like yeah. in some ways I'm kind of going, it's hypocritical to say that, but when you are when you are on Earth and interacting with humanity as Transformers, it's, you know, to me, it's that vehicle thing. Um, and I just, 
got to the point where I'm like, no, I'm not going to watch any more of these because Michael Bay just wants to point the camera at, um, there's one of them. I can't remember which one it is, but there is um, an actress in it who attacks Shia LaBeouf in like his dorm room. And right. she is actually a, a robot herself, but she kind of comes out of human skin in the robot form. Um, and like the first time you see her, it's just one of those camera shots where it's like, whoa, you know that? Like lads, 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 lads. And I'm like, this was never a lads, 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 lads thing. No. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe that's because of the age I was at the time that I encountered it, obviously, because you're not that kind of hormonally driven or whatever, but it's not, it's not, no, it's not the same to do I, that. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, I don't think it is, but I think my, my memories, both of having watched the show and, and sort of, you know, re experiencing the films and stuff. It, I mean, it was about cars and explosions and, and sort of the fighting. That's what little boys, as it was back in the eighties that I hung out with and stuff, got off on. And that's what we liked. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was a girl transformer that you, you know, I'd forgotten about that you don't care about because you're a boy. Quite like dinosaur transformers. I actually remember somebody having a dinosaur transformer at one point, the Dinobot. Um, yeah. But yeah, it wasn't a wank fantasy. Yeah, I mean that that that's where it's changed. You know, the cars and the transforming was enough, as you said earlier. It's that action. It's the act of transforming that is what gets you excited. Um, have you played with any of the modern toys? I mean, you have you no. seen like a? Because I wonder as well as I mean how that changes our relationship with it. Like if you could get a, a modern kind of Bumblebee or Optimus Prime, and I could show you a modern Bumblebee if you want. But I would need to go in and get it. <laughs> I do you know it's you transformed it. I take it, Ben. Yeah, I've tried. Um, it's a bit finicky. Ooh. Um, you have to move it like a. Certain, certain way. way to get it to like i can figure it out obviously you know i've done it a few times but it's not very intuitive uh-huh um i think i'm not entirely sure if he has an optimus or not he might do um I think but again, some- it's it's emotional connection i i don't have that emotional connection to those michael bay transformers so yeah. like it you know um I've I've young nephews and I gave them at one stage. Um, I had the original cartoon series on DVD and like a collector's tin thing, and I I kind of gave that to them when they were very young to kind of go watch these and love these the way I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if they, I don't I don't even know if they really did any kind of transformer toys or anything like that at all. Uh-huh. Um, but I've yeah I've no real. No real interest in walking into Smith and buying a, a Michael Bay Megatron, but if you had one like the old gun that like had a had a full on like arm brace thing there, you locked into it, and the wee pistol thing in the end with the, the scope on top, like I, yeah, I would buy one tomorrow. So. I mean, I'm, I'm aware we're going to have to wrap this up um, pretty soon. Uh, it's the greatest movie of all time. Thanks very much, guys. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, so, I mean, I, I guess then a lot of this is... I mean, ultimately what we're talking about tonight has not been just about Transformers being great. What we've talked about has been about nostalgia and about the connections that we have to the stuff from our past. 
Yeah, because I think I think that's what it is for me. Um, and I think I said that very early on. Like it, it instantly transports me to watching it on the living room floor with some friends who I'm not I'm not as close to as I once was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is maybe part of it too. Um, the yeah, it yeah, it's it's tied up in a lot of memories and nostalgia for the toys and memories of of people I love and um yeah my dad coming in with a brand new copy because my old copy was so <laughs> just worn out got this how many copies have you had now Neil uh, I've had two I had two VHS as a child and then I bought myself a DVD and then I bought myself the 30th anniversary Blu-ray. Uh-huh. Um, I have resisted so far by myself the 35th anniversary Blu-ray. Um, Isn't that, is that in 4K now as well? 4K, but the, I don't know. Does 4K really shine up 1986 animation that much? I don't know. And I don't think I have anything I could play it on. I don't <laughs> know if it will play in my Xbox. Um, but yeah, for the reason. Oh, will it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so is oh, that 360 okay. have or an S or, or, or Xbox uh, One? Xbox One. Mm, yeah, no, yeah. I think it has a 4K Blu-ray in it. Okay. Well, we know we know what I'm doing after this then. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's a few a few copies I've had over the years, definitely. Because I keep coming back to it. I can't I can't escape it. I won't. I don't want. It's not that I can't escape it. That's wrong. I don't want to let go of it. Ah, yeah. Oh. I, I can't think of a more perfect way of summing that up. <laughs> if, I, if I'd written a, a segue to take us out of this, I don't know that I could have topped that. Um, ben, do you have any last thoughts on this before we wrap up? Um, thought I thought it was it was a good movie. Um, it, it brought me back memories of like whenever I was a kid. Obviously, I didn't have the same experiences. Um, you know, I got. You know, I knew who. Obviously, I knew who Optimus Prime was, and um, you know, I played with toys. I've seen your Optimus Prime whenever it was. You know, whenever I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like I'm, I'm big into my Japanese, you know, anime. Um, so I was getting like vibes off that. Um, I love some of the music in it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was it was great, especially that you know that eighties power metal. And you know I've been writing kind of synth eighties inspired music at the minute myself, so it was really cool listening to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, as I say, I was a bit traumatic watching it because because of some of the stuff that happens in it. I'm like, what, where'd that come from? Like, why is everyone dying? You know, I don't remember anybody dying. And um, I don't even think anybody dies in the Michael Bay movies. No, they do. They do. There's some, there's some they? death, yeah. I saw a Transformer ripped apart. Did you? Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. See, nothing stands out for this, um, for me. But, um, you know, like the sheer amount of death that happens in that movie, I was like, whoa, you know, um, so it, it's a good watch. Um, and yes, it has a certain look to it, mm. but I think if you can get past that, um, it's it's a good little watch. 
it's definitely worth 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 having a look into anyway i i thank you both very much um i i know i've had a weird watch for this one i i have not been as enthused and it has not recaptured enough of my childhood for me to be like super excited maybe the tv series would in a way the film didn't although i'm very glad to have finally knocked off that orson wells film off my list um and, and enjoyed that performance um i've just been watching a whole bunch of, of, sort of godzilla movies um for another project so the one thing i, I kind of haven't talked about but what, what reminded me of um was the kaiju movies you know it's like the, these kind of like massive creations and, and tiny people and i guess this is also stemming from japan as well so there's there is this kind of um maybe another history that's there that, that connects all these things and they also are quite destructive you know there's, there's a lot of, of of horribleness there um i think the issues of trauma that it brings up are are, are interesting you know and what it does to a childhood um I, I think the nostalgia in the toys is also fascinating and i'll probably be doing a lot more thinking about this as a result and some of my other um childhood favorites but uh thank you for presenting it to us neil uh, I hope we've done it justice for you so that you can be pleased. Yeah. No, definitely. I um, I have to say, I did not expect this chat to go the way that it did um, at all. Um, never do. And we'll, we'll just, can we just put in the show notes like a link to the GoFundMe for my therapy? That's just <laughs> Neil's toy stash. Yeah, but genuinely, no, thank you. Because I did, I did kind of say, we should do this, we should do this. And it became a bit of a joke. And um I'm I'm really glad that we did eventually get there. I said, no, I'm I, glad we did it as well. Yeah, I, I always say we would. It's never against doing it. It's just like you know, we we took a little so sojourn for a while. You know, we took a break, and um, you know, I'm glad to be back at doing these things again. So Neil, uh, thank you very much for 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 suggesting it. Thank you very much for for coming on board and uh, for rejoining our ranks. <laughs> no worries, anytime. Hopefully, you'll be hearing a little bit more from Neil this year. Uh, he's he's sort of. He's, he's gone up from being like somebody we occasionally rope into a live event to actually appearing on multiple things. <laughs> so, well, yes. progression. Uh, ben, thanks very much as well for all your no stuff problem. tonight. And um, thank me for, for, I guess, moderating. <laughs> uh, folks, if you've enjoyed this, or even if you haven't enjoyed it, uh, do please get in touch with us. Fire some comments back on our social media. You'll find our website at www.cinefunk.com. Uh, we are on Facebook. Uh, as uh, and Twitter as Cinepunked, and you will get us on Instagram as Cinepunked Film. Uh, you can tweet us, message us, send us lovely emails. Uh, we like all those things. Uh, you'll find links on there to all of our pages and, and personal profiles. Do check us out. Do check out Neil Cedric and his films with Faith, which at the time of recording is about to go through a massive rebirth after we killed it off <laughs> in its previous incarnation. <laughs> so. I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. Uh, ben, you'll get his music up on his Bandcamp. Um, it's linked in every episode, I think, anyway, because we use his music for the, the, the intros and outros. And um, I'm just recording this on this. If you don't already, uh, like, subscribe. Uh, you'll get us uh, on our website and all uh, good podcast downloaded providers. Uh, tell your friends. And we'll see you again very soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.